This is the Friday, December 30, 2022 installment of the Market Analysis segment from Market to Market. Profit-taking and limited volume made for some volatile sessions ahead of the three-day weekend. For the week, the nearby wheat contract added 16 cents, while the March corn contract gained 12 cents. Soybeans rallied to new highs this week on word of COVID restrictions being lifted in China, predictions of a smaller crop in Argentina, and news of tighter overall supplies. The March soybean contract bumped up 39 cents, while the March meal contract moved 15.70 higher. March cotton declined by $1.84 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, February Class 3 milk futures fell 13 cents. The livestock market was mixed as February cattle added 15 cents. March feeders put on 2.23, and the February lean hog contract shed 13 cents. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index cut 86 ticks. February crude rose 72 cents per barrel. COMEX gold strengthened 17.70 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs commodity index finished nearly three points higher at 610.10. Joining us now is regular market analyst Don Rose. Hello, Don. Glad to be back, Paul. What a week, huh? I mean, Monday was a dud. Tuesday, Wednesday kind of picked up steam, and then look, or uh, Tuesday was a dud. Sorry, Monday we were celebrating a holiday. But Friday and wheat really took off. Why? Well, I think if you look at these markets, a lot of them, including the livestock, was all about a lot of weather. And, you know, in a thin market, you can move a market pretty aggressively. Um, But when a lot of it, we were watching the weather in Argentina. It hasn't really changed a lot, so we added risk premium. We had uh, back to the weather. We had uh, transportation slow down. Very often, when you get your first big storm like this, um, transportation slows down and you add some weather premium to the market, corn, soybeans, uh, wheat with a winter kill because consumption goes up by the livestock. Well, and the winter kill is going to be the story that we maybe figure out a little bit next week on wheat. Let's talk specifically about this first contract, the March contract, and then into July. Uh, 16 cents higher on the week. Domestically, is the weather story enough to keep driving this thing higher? Well, remember the wheat market, we're only like 7% of the world uh, uh, total all trade, so it's not really. The big thing that you have on the wheat market is Russia continues to sell wheat below the world market on rallies. But uh, the thing that really brought us to the upside was the winter concern. The fact that Australia uh, had a bigger crop than we thought, they pressed us to the downside. Their harvest is basically behind us, so we're getting that post-harvest rally. And we know Argentina had a uh, smaller crop. They're about 91%. Uh, harvested. So I think it was a relief rally from the southern uh, hemisphere. And then we had issues here in the north. So uh, going forward, the wheat is probably going to be a switch to what happens with our crop in uh, North America as we get into the spring. Can you help us on a little range there, how much more steam we might have? Well, remember, the wheat market came from, in February, from $13. And then it's drifted just lower until about three weeks ago, we go to $7.25. Now we're trying to bounce back a bit, uh, got close to $8.799 on March wheat in Chicago on uh, Friday. But I think what we're really saying is probably $7 is too low. Uh, 8.50 is too high. Mm. Caught in that range. Um, funds keep trying to press the market to the downside, but we'll see once what happens in Ukraine uh, with the shipping. We have a big number in soybeans, but let's start with corn because it had a, a nice number too. Uh, it's approaching March corn approaching uh, seven dollars here again. Uh, another week up. 
is how much more steam left in that one? Well, look at what happened to the corn market. We dropped down in ranges. We were 680 to 7, then we dropped down to 660 to 680, then to 635 back to uh, 660 in a range. Now we're just moving back to the upside, but we're in a, a really tough resistance, Paul. We go to 685 on Friday. Every nickel up is going to be tough, and anything happens with improved weather in Argentina, and I think uh, the market comes under a lot of pressure pretty darn quick. Well, I had, an, I had written down lower crude on Thursday also. Uh, where is the crude relationship to corn right now? Normally it's been so tight, but is it still... Are they still right together? Well, we're a petrograin, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, look at, you bring up the uh, the crude oil, but our ethanol uh, consumption uh, production is uh, under some pressure. Profitability just isn't there. Our exports on corn are down 47% uh, versus a year ago. So we don't have a... Uh, it's all about the supply problem mm -hmm. that when we talk about the demand, you've got a real issue with the corn. We're still lower on that December contract. Does that have any range higher? Well, the December corn, uh, you know, the same thing is coming under some uh, pressure. It's all about what's going to happen with Argentine weather gave us a little pop to the upside. Um, they're what, about 67% uh, planted, about 15% of their crop is good to excellent uh, versus 58% a year ago. So it's a problem with Argentina, June, July, they'll have their basically their harvest. Then the beans story. 15 was that number we just could not erase, we kept hitting our head on it, finally broke through. Katie, bar the door, Don. Well, we got within 20 cents of contract highs on November soybeans, uh, just over 30 cents away from contract high on the uh, March soybeans. So uh, you've had an awful lot of risk premium into the market. It's going to be a dangerous uh, three-day weekend, Paul, because if the weather pattern changes at all, um, a lot of premium comes back out of this market. Well, and that's kind of what set us up on Tuesday, right? Because when we, I mean, we have to think we had a shortened trading day last Friday because of Christmas Eve. Then it never rained and it got drier. We're not quite set up as long. We're not going to have trading Monday or Monday night. What do we do to prepare ourselves on soybeans come Tuesday morning? Well, you know, if you look at it from a producer standpoint, look at where we're really sitting. You know, you're sitting basically close to contract highs, areas that have been very hard to get to over history with an economy that is still very much shaky. With Brazil, that probably has a, a record crop, probably makes up for the loss in Argentina. Um, the government, I just want to tell you about soybeans, where we're really at. Our carryout's running 220 now, is basically 270 last year, 250 the year before that. Um, so our carryouts aren't a lot different the last three years, but uh, government's forecasting $14 this year. Last year, 1330, but where I'm going, it was 1082 years ago. Uh, carryouts aren't that much different. We got the same thing going on in corn. It's have we moved to a new level for what reason? Hmm. Well, I'm going to tease Market Plus because we dare you not to watch it because we know many of you don't. But I'm going to put Don on the spot about uh, 2022 surprise story and also 2023. But we are going to take a question now from Phil in Dresden, Ontario, Don, to kind of get you to think about 23 a little bit when it comes to soybean. He goes, can we expect seasonal highs in corn and beans in 23 in June or July? Or does the size of the crops in Brazil and or the missiles launched over Ukraine skew that seasonal narrative in 23? 
Well, I think what you have to be very careful of, and this is what we've been focusing on, is um, upside down, short crop, long tail, that you put your tops in more at harvest, which it seems like we have, except soybeans rallied back. And then if South America gets a bigger crop, and if La Nina, uh, which has been dying, if it uh, switches to an El Nino in the winter, and we get a big crop, you have just the upside down uh, from what you normally would think from a seasonal. You have what we call a contra-seasonal. So at these price levels, with what's going on in the world, with what's going on in the economy, you have to be a little bit concerned what could happen. And you have to ask yourself, Paul, what do you think the upside is from here? And what do you do to take advantage of that? Because things change quickly. They change very quickly in this uh, fast-paced world anymore. And, um, you know, March corn is trading about seven cents higher than July, so there's really not an incentive. If the basis is right, there's not really an incentive to sit there. Change your ownership, which is what we're seeing people do. Change your ownership to options in some way and uh, take your money off the table. There's something about hay in the barn, too, I think. You just you missed one more part of that phrase, Don. Uh, speaking of the barn, the cattle, uh, it's... It's cold in cattle country, or it was last week. We, we've since recovered. Moisture is coming back into some regions, maybe not enough in the right spots. What's the biggest influence on live cattle right now? Well, you know, again, we're back to the weather. We uh, First big weather storm, we added some premium back to the cattle market. And uh, much like the grain market, you put the risk premium in, but then you also take it out. On Friday, we started to see it taking uh, some of that premium back out. It's a cyclical bull market. The industry is very bullish. But when you look at it, you've got April cattle of 24 sitting about 169. April of this year sitting uh, about 162. So you've got uh, no shortage of bulls in the market, uh, Paul. Does that mean there's room for me to get in? Or have I missed my chance there? Well, it's, it's not a surprise that we're a bull market. That's, I guess <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Well, what's, what's going to take us out of that then? Well, you know, the thing that's happened in the cattle industry before is we run into a black swan. You know, who would have heard of BSE, you know, a few years back, um, you know, the economy. So it's not the supply side of the market. Um, it's more the demand side. And that's what I think you have to be concerned about. If you're looking at not risk management at high prices, um, you know, you're not afraid of the black swan. <laughs> uh, for those in the feeder market who are trying any way they can to expand, to hold back, to pull something, help them out. Are they making the right decision? Well, you know, usually the cattle cycle, Paul, three and a half years up, three and a half down, and we've been in a four-year break. So, yeah, I mean, this is a time frame where you probably uh, should try and expand if you're a cow-calf operator. Um, you know, it's been a tough sled here for a while, drought conditions, uh, all kinds of different problems. So it looks like we're in the expansion phase, and it looks like the cow-calf guy finally has his turn. How long does that last? Well, I think you probably are talking probably a good uh, three years um, oh, so you're saying we're at the beginning of that we're cycle? We're at the beginning of the cycle, so it should just be starting. And that's, um, look at the placement figures in December, probably going to be down 8 to 9%. Uh, fourth quarter supplies, we're just starting the cattle bull market, although the futures, you know, market has it dialed in. From the fourth quarter of this year to the first quarter of next year, we're going to have a record drop in production. So, um, and then it just goes on from there. Do you know anything about geography in, in the sense of areas that are stronger or lighter or any shifting, maybe longer term cattle production? 
Well, you know, I think if you look at the cow-calf operators are, are pretty much in, you know, the, the rugged ground. So I think right. that's the area you're going to have the expansion. Um, and we know that we're going to have a dislocation of feed supplies this year, 800 million bushels probably. So I think what that means is maybe you're going to see some of the uh, feedlot production move further north. I should ask before we uh, skip, did everybody miss their feed need opportunities to cover anything right now? Well, we're on a 50 cent rally in corn. We're overbought. Um, you know, you're, we've been in uh, uptrends buy signals for three weeks on corn, for six weeks on soybeans. So it's a hold it's got, if we can. Is it's got saying. a little bit of a beard on it yeah. right now. Ah, I like that one too, man. You're bringing them all out today, Don. <laughs> uh, Hogs, as we close out here, uh, we've really not talked about China in this discussion very much. We always kind of look at them to to gauge what their interest is in our product for exports on pork. We've bounced off a high now and come back a little bit. Are we pausing to go back higher or are we going to keep falling? Well, you bring up China. China uh, hog prices hit a seven-month low this week, so, um, and that's because they're expanding. So our export pace is supposed to be down 2% next year. But, um, you know, we've been in a contraction phase in the hog industry, much like the cattle. But the last hog and pig report, the DSA-Feb uh, fair wings, uh, are forecast to be up 28,000 on the sales versus a year ago. So it looks like we're trying to uh, build the herd a little bit. Um, but the bull story in hogs is probably the bull story in cattle. You're going to keep the uh, uh, spread relationship kind of close, uh, the demand kind of uh, close, so maybe shifting some of the demand. So the last year, remember, hogs in uh, August went to 123. And is that possible again with the same about supplies as a year ago? I, before we go real quick, uh, we talked a little bit about oil. We, we got to close to 60. We've pushing 80 again. What's a range here in the first quarter for us in 23 on oil? On the crude oil? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think from the crude oil, I think you're probably, um, you know, if you look at it, Europe tried to talk China, or Russia into selling them crude at $60 a barrel. Um, that was too low. So right. I think $70 is a sweet spot. You hear people talk 100 that's just too high in this economy. Well, I appreciate uh, you spending time with us, and we'll get your take on 23 and uh, wrap up 22 in Market Plus. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Paul. All right, that's going to do it for this analysis, and we'll continue our discussion about these markets. Answer your questions in our Market Plus segment. You can find that on our website of markettomarket.org and also on YouTube. All of these resources that I mentioned are free, by the way. Also on YouTube, the show. The Market Plus and our stories. They get posted each and every week. Join our family by subscribing to the feed of at Market to Market. Next week, one of the nation's leading duck producers learns to hit life's economic curveballs. Thank you so very much for watching. Have a great week.